As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's Fantasy Baseball on 15, we'll take a look at a resurgent royal and relievers on the move. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. This is Tuesday, July 27th. I'm Al Melkier. I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Let's start off with a whole bunch of Angels news items. And of course, that needs to start with Mike Trout. Uh, He's not had any setbacks, uh, so there's no definitive news then from the, the doctor's visit that he had on Monday, but also then still no timetable for Trout to return or even to resume uh, baseball activities. Uh, Anthony Rendon is probably at least a couple weeks away from returning from his hamstring injury. And uh, to just add to the list here, Jared Walsh exited the Angels game on Monday against the Rockies with abdominal soreness. He'll be evaluated on Tuesday. And one more note from the Angels here. There's still no word if Alex Cobb will make his scheduled start on Thursday against Oakland. He has been dealing with a blister. Francisco Lindor is likely out until mid to late August uh, with his oblique injury. So DVR, anything actionable here? Uh, I assume that the, the path to take is to stash. Do you see any anything differently there? Tread carefully if you are adamant that you have to hold Lindor in a shallow league. I think there could be some circumstances where you'd actually want to let him go. All right. Uh, Alec Manoa, his trip to the IL is apparently going to be a short one. He is expected to start this Saturday against the Royals. He's been out with a back contusion. Nick Castellanos. Now, here's another example, DVR, of somebody that uh, I will count myself among them, had some optimism that he would only miss a game or two with his wrist injury. Then, uh, after missing uh, roughly a week, went on the IL. He is now scheduled to resume baseball activities on Tuesday. So, Castellanos finally making some progress. And uh, this is a strange one too, DVR. Javier Baez, uh, he has a bruised heel. He was expected to miss a game or two, but then he did appear in uh, the Cubs game on Monday against the Reds and uh, walked it off with a pinch hit single. So 
I don't know if that means we'll see Baez again on Tuesday, but it uh, doesn't look like that injury is very serious for him. Yeah, good timing since they might be trading him here in the next couple of days. Yeah, maybe that uh, sped up his return a little bit. Uh, hard to know. A uh, couple of Braves notes. Waskar Noah has uh, or is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment at the Braves Florida Complex on Tuesday, so good news there. Ian Anderson has been playing long toss, and he's on track to throw off of a mound later this week. Ryan McMahon missed his second straight game with the Rockies. He's dealing with lower leg stiffness. Jake Fraley, who's been on the COVID-19 IL, he's slated to start a rehab assignment on Tuesday with AAA Tacoma. Few closer notes here, or reliever notes. Uh, Taylor Rogers left his appearance for the Twins on Monday against the Tigers with the spring middle finger, so maybe that affects some trade plans there for the Twins, uh, and certainly in the short term should affect uh, their uh, their closer plans. Anybody short or long term DVR that you would speculate on there uh, of this group? I mean, I I actually think in. Minnesota, Tyler Duffy is the kind of guy that could end up getting some saves if Rodgers gets dealt. So I think he's the guy that prior to the weekend, prior to the deadline, I'd like to add in first come first serve leagues because he'd be really good if he gets a chance to close. And if he doesn't, it's not as though he has no value at all. So he's the guy I'm most interested in. It's interesting that it's come back around to Scott Barlow, at least for now. I keep thinking Josh Stalmont's going to take it away because Barlow's the guy that I liked at the beginning of the season. Stalmont looked really good earlier in the year. I think Kansas City is like a perpetual merry-go-round for save opportunities, so I'm less interested in taking shots there because I don't know if they're just going to settle on one guy for these final two months of the season. Yeah, it was interesting that Barlow came in for the two-inning save on Monday against the White Sox. I don't know if Greg Holland is somebody that they'll move uh, or how many suitors their next that there would be for him, but... Uh, yeah, it would seem like Barlow maybe is inching towards uh, a little bit more usage in that, that closer's role, but hard to tell at this point. And a couple of relievers that were traded, uh, Cubs trading Andrew Chafin to Oakland for uh, outfielder Greg Deichman and uh, right-hander Daniel Palencia. And this trade actually interests me because I'm, I'm really curious to see if Deichman gets some playing time for the Cubs uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, the kind of guy that could actually be pretty useful to us as fantasy players at the playing time is there. Uh, back at Double A in 2019, 11 homers, 19 steals in just 80 games, four homers and seven steals in 60 games at Triple A this season, doing it with you know good average and a good OBP. So uh, kind of a, a mystery box sort of player, but one that brings plenty of tools. And the Cubs' upper level minor league depth is basically non-existent. So if more trades happen, like a Chris Bryant trade specifically. I think that frees up a regular spot in the lineup that a guy like Deichman could take over. All right. And then uh, another trade, maybe with a little less impact, but the uh, Pirates sending Clay Holmes to the Yankees. And uh, you know, I, I saw this sort of soft-pedaled uh, in some comments on Twitter. Uh, Holmes is somebody who actually kind of caught my attention, more for like score sheet purposes, that kind of format. Uh, a ground ball pitcher who, at least uh, as of maybe a couple weeks ago, had the lowest average launch angle on grounders that he allowed. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a niche skill, but, you know, it's really useful for limiting base hits. And, uh, yeah, I, I think probably, though, his fantasy uh, appeal is limited to, to sim-type leagues. Yeah, I would agree. 
All right. Well, let's take a look at the uh, Monday standouts. Not really too many to talk about because of kind of a smallish slate, but we'll talk about Jorge Soler again because, again, for the second day in a row, coming off of a two-homer game, uh, this time against the White Sox. And I'll just reiterate the analysis from Monday's show, which is that Soler's lack of power was really puzzling up until, you know, a couple days ago uh, because he was hitting the ball really hard and not clear what made the difference this season, but maybe it's just regression all happening in, in two days. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of a, a correction here recently, and I think the plate skills in terms of the strikeout rate and walk rate are right in line with that 2019-48 home run season. He's hitting the ball in the air just as often as he did that season. He's just not being rewarded as often when he does it. So I think we could all look back at that 2019 and go, hmm, a 28.1% home run to fly ball rate. Not the best metric in the world, but also probably not the kind of thing you're going to run year over year either, even if you have big power as Soler does. I think he's the kind of player, Al, that could lead the league in home runs between now and the end of the season, especially if you want to roll that date back to Sunday and say, let's start on <laughs> July 25th and say, who hits the most home runs between now and the last day of the regular season? Soler could easily be that kind of player, and run production will come with that. The batting average will be better than it has been to this point. So I know there have been some shallow mixed leagues this year where he's become available. I picked him up maybe a month or so ago in mine, and I'm trying to hold on to him because I think the playing time will be there, and I think he can be a difference maker. Yeah, if he is out there, uh, I think that's a, a good idea. Maybe even in 10-teamers to pick him up. And you were uh, a step ahead of me, DVR, because I was going to ask what you thought he would do rest of the season. And I think that's a, a definitely a probable uh, outcome for Soler. So if he's available, I think he is a must-add. Uh, and I don't think Andrew McCutcheon is likely to be quite as available, but um, he's having a really interesting season. Hit his 18th home run on Monday against the Nationals. Also his uh, 13th double, and that's always kind of an interesting ratio when you see a hitter hit a lot more home runs and doubles because that usually signals that they're just fly ball crazy. Um, I don't think that's the, the case with McCutcheon, but uh, just a lot more power than we've seen from him in a long, long time. And when I say that, he has a 221 ISO that is his highest in seven years. So are you buying this both rest of season and maybe looking ahead to 2022? Uh, at least for the rest of the season. I mean, he's, the age is a factor, right? He's already 34, so he'll be 35 in October. I think the profiles changed a lot because the last time he had power like this, as you said, back in 2014, he had a 314 batting average that year, right? I mean, he was an MVP candidate that year. So uh, that was the elite sort of McCutcheon that we saw showing power at that level he doesn't have the other pieces to go with it in his game anymore still runs a little bit though he's six for seven as a base dealer this year might get to 10 bags between now and the end of the season and I would say that the 237 average he's hitting right now is probably a tick on the low side it looks like the bat and the bat x which you use a lot of stat cast information in the projection have met 254 and 261 respectively the rest of the way so I think he's less of a drain on batting average than he's been so far and I think the power generally does hold up on a per game basis here on out all right. Well, let's uh, look at a couple of players who are pretty widely available. Kyle Farmer uh, hitting his ninth home run of the season against the Cubs on Monday, also his first triple of the year. And he's on a legit hot streak over the last 30 games, a 295 batting average and four home runs. Uh, so is Farmer somebody maybe who's starting to force himself onto the mixed league picture? Yeah, I mean, I think he, at least the 15-teamer, like the deeper leagues we talk about for sure, I, I think... I'm still skeptical of his overall ability as a hitter, but he is not without value, especially in that ballpark. 
Yeah, there's always that. Yeah, because so, his profile doesn't necessarily translate to those kinds of results elsewhere, but in that ballpark, uh, it'll definitely play. And Matt Manning with another okay start, uh, which is an upgrade over what we saw from him initially. Five innings deep against the Twins. Did give up four runs, but on only five hits and a walk, four strikeouts. So if you look at Manning's last three starts combined, 16 innings, seven earned runs, um, 11 strikeouts, six walks, and a homer. So other than the home run, not terrific ratios, but the sort of profile that would play in a, in a good two-start week. But I also want to note that when I looked at that, I thought, oh, well, maybe Manning's really doing a great job of managing contact. In those three starts, he's given up six barrels on just 46 batted balls. That is a horrible ratio. So is there any kind of value here at this point for Matt Manning? No, I think he's more of like a buy low in a keeper dynasty league if you can find someone who's scared off right now. And look, I understand if you are scared off right now because some of the early underlying numbers are pretty ugly. I'd be very careful with him as a streamer for all the reasons that you mentioned. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What a segue. Let's talk about the streaming possibilities for the Tuesday slate. A potential streamer on streamer matchup. Taylor Widener going for the Diamondbacks. Dane Dunning for the Rangers. They each get a really good matchup. Uh, (laughs) So we'll uh, start the list off with those two. Jose Suarez with a great matchup. Rockies in Anaheim. Uh, Maybe the only problem there is he goes up against Austin Gomber. We got Logan Webb with a very tough matchup at home against the Dodgers. Spencer Watkins, I think we add him to the list just solely because he's going to face the Marlins, who have been the worst offense in terms of Woba over the last 30 days in the majors. And Brett Anderson, also a nice matchup for him at Pittsburgh. So Widener, Dunning, Suarez, Webb, Watkins, Anderson, who do you like? I think I like Dunning first, Widener second. I think Webb's matchup against the Dodgers is enough for me to stay away from him. If I'm just chasing the win, I'm more comfortable with Brett Anderson than Jose Suarez. I think Suarez is more likely to get you six or seven strikeouts. Anderson might get you two or three in a five-inning start. Uh, But I think with Suarez, I'm always worried about the possibility of a shorter start. Sometimes it just happens to him. Watkins, I don't really like the stuff at all. The only reason I would think about him is the matchup, and even then, I'm probably only picking him up in deeper mixed leagues. I don't think I'm throwing him out there in a 10 or a 12-team mixed leagues. I'm just not sure there's enough uh, enough of a ceiling there. All right, and uh, I just want to go back to Logan Webb here for a second because obviously the offense that he's facing uh, can do a lot of damage. But we got Julio Urias uh, pitching for the Dodgers, and I featured him in a piece that's now up on The Athletic about pitchers who have given up a lot of home runs lately. And not only has Urias um, given up a lot more home runs lately, but he's not striking out very many batters. So is he someone to be feared at this point as an opposing pitcher? Or maybe somebody, if you've got him rostered, that you just don't start automatically? Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily an automatic start anymore. And I think ever since the sticky stuff crackdown started, uh, the stuff from Urias hasn't been quite as crisp. So, you know, take what you will from that. I don't know if he's a bad pitcher because of anything like that, but I I would just say the autopilot approach to Urias is probably no longer acceptable. All right. So just something there to keep in mind. And uh, do we have anything for the gambling spotlight this week? 
real quick, the American League Rookie of the Year odds, I think, are pretty fascinating. Adelis Garcia is minus 130 to win the award, and I think it's actually closer than that. Luis Garcia probably should win it. He's been the best AL rookie by war. He's plus 375 at BetMGM. And Randy Arozarena, as we saw at the end of last season in the playoffs, he's plus 900. He could close the gap on Garcia with a big final two months. So I would go with Garcia or Arozarena and, and not bet the favorite in this case because I think the odds on both of those two players are pretty interesting at this point. Yeah, and uh, always do a bit of a double take to realize that a Rosarena is still rookie eligible. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. So, on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball 15 and just ask that if you do have an opportunity to uh, rate or subscribe to the podcast, uh, that you do so. And we thank you in advance. So, for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melpure, and we'll be right back here on Wednesday. 